Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Before YouTube, I would be making all kinds of videos, and I just carried on with business. The same, the only difference was that more people were seeing it. When you sat down and you could have made any kind of film, and you'd done so many things before that point, what made you do this? That was the first time I saw somebody else do a game review that was in an angry style. It was like the highest form of flattery I ever got. For whatever reason, I feel like NES usually makes the best episodes. Like whenever I'm in doubt, I'm like, okay, just go to the NES library, get, get one of those again. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that I, I haven't changed my method. I continue to write the episodes and do it the same way as before. The ABGN to me is kind of like a life constant. It, I feel kind of anchored in the nerd where it's the same, like the nerd doesn't really change. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. It is TCU's day and we have a legendary guest tonight that we are very excited about. This is years in the making. Let's kick things off immediately, Matthew Tabor. 20 years ago, the ancient compositions of Plutarch and Seneca collided with the electronics of Ralph Bayer, smattered with a tinge of Wells and Hitchcock to birth a strange cultural phenomenon, the video game essays of James Rolfe, which in 2022 consumes untold millions of hours every day. James is actually one of our two guests today, the other being the angry video game nerd, and it's, it's not always easy to tell where one stops and the other begins. A couple of obscure short videos made years before YouTube turned into Cinemassacre and Screenwave and a near 20-year body of work that includes a feature-length film with 942 visual effects shots. In 1940, James would have been eligible for the draft. He's not old, but he already has a legacy. It's the literally tens of thousands of YouTube channels that percolated in the minds of viewers as they watched The Angry Video Game Nerd. James, if you started fresh today, no resume, no creations of any sort prior to right now, what would your YouTube channel be about? What would my YouTube channel be about? I don't know. Maybe cocktail recipes or something. What? <laughs> really? <laughs> Are you into that? Ah, I mean, not, not a lot, but if you're just saying like, start with something new, I'm always about starting new with things. It's fun. It's never too late to change what you're doing and, you know, change things up. Yeah. Well, you've had a lot of formats over the years, so it's obvious to me. And it's something that, that I relate to a lot, you know, on, on Vsauce 2, 
I've tried a lot of shows and, you know, let them run their course, switch things up. It seems like you're interested in, in creativity kind of in the same way. So it's been interesting to me to see you have the Angry Video Game Nerd, which is obviously what you're most well known for as being kind of like the cornerstone of that. Do you ever feel like the Angry Video Game Nerd character prevents you in any way from kind of exploring the other creative things that you'd like to explore? Um, yes and no. I think mostly no, because it, uh, it helps get more attention to other things that I'm doing and it makes everything possible. I mean, the nerd opened up all the doors and, uh, it's the, uh, the nerd is the highest, most important thing that I do. Cause, uh, it's my paying job. I mean, that's like the highest thing you could do. And I keep it fun. Uh, I get to do whatever I want really in the episodes. Like there's no type of uh, rule or genre that the nerd can step into. So, you know, I keep them fun. And um, yeah, I mean, the only reason why it might uh, stop is just because if I'm busy working on a nerd episode, then uh, it's taking time away from something else I might be doing. It's probably the only reason that I, I haven't released my book yet. But on the other hand, with the past couple years or so, you know, there's been so much to add. So I keep adding things to the book all the time. Like, okay, well, you know, as, as long as you go on living and you keep experiencing more stuff, it could potentially never end. Mm -hmm. But I am going to release it very soon because <laughs> at some point you just got to do it. Yeah. We mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, I think it was 12 Tone uh, music YouTuber on Twitter. 12 Tone wrote about YouTubers not really being recognized on the street in the same way that that their fans or, or people just familiar with YouTube would think they were. And I think that has implications on on a feeling of, of being limited. I think a lot of people feel like they do a thing. They can't do things that are very different from that. The truth is that that you could probably start anything. You could start a, uh, a cocktail tutorial uh, <laughs> series uh, tomorrow and nobody would know the difference. It would be a completely separate, different audience. They'd be like, oh, hey, this guy has a camera presence. He, he must have done this a little bit before. And that's as far as it would go. Yeah. I mean, the question is, what do you want to do? Just, just do it. I mean, it's like whatever, you know, worst thing, some people won't like it, but just, just do it, whatever it is that you enjoy doing. And, uh, you could enjoy doing many different things and, you know, you could do a little of this and a little of that. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's, what's fun. I'm glad that you brought up the 12 tone thing because James, I actually heard you talk a little bit about this in another podcast, um, that, mm -hmm. that you did where you were mentioning, uh, first of all, that you can't go to GameStops. If you walk into a GameStop, oh. it's like instant, you know, yeah. <laughs> celebrity status, essentially, well, getting, getting a, hawked by people. Yeah, it's a, it's been a long time since I walked into a GameStop. Is that a thing still? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't it, really remember. Okay, not only is it a thing still, but it okay. smells exactly the same. Like, oh, it does? What does a GameStop smell? I, I don't think I've been into one in like 15 years. Oh, what does a GameStop man. smell like? Uh, is is there a specific game stink that I should know about? Game stink. I don't know where it comes from. Do you have, I mean, I think it's like, a, a, you know, it's a tinge of body odor, some plastic. Um, I don't, where I don't it know. it comes from, that's a whole <laughs> other topic. <laughs> I think it's body odor um, and plastic mostly. <laughs> body odor and plastic. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll have to go uh, stop by a GameStop at some point in the near future. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting that you were, you were essentially saying that like outside of you know, obviously a scenario like that in GameStop or, uh, you know, a gaming convention that for the most part that you don't find 
uh, walking around to be like a problem uh, for people hounding you like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it's the angry video game nerd. No, it's really comfortable. Um, it's it's the right level of famous. I'm not. <laughs> I, I can <laughs> I can function like a normal human being. Although sometimes it can be a little hilarious. Um, I, I remember one time I was walking out of a store and uh, some guy in his car. He's driving through the parking lot. He stops and is like yelling out his window, like, "Oh my God, James Rolfe! I, I love your work and everything." And he's just you know like crazy. You know, really nice and. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to cross the street and, you know, get to my car or whatever. But anyway, the guy's going on and on how much he loves my stuff. Real nice. Then the car behind him honks um, <laughs> to get moving. And then he yells back at the other person. Don't you know who this is? It's the angry video game nerd. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Causing traffic disturbances and road rage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I, I think that kind of thing is good. Like you say, the right level of fame. I think what you don't want is for like professor, professional services to get in the way here. Like you go and see like an ear, nose and throat specialist or something. And he's like, sir, clearly a, a buffalo has taken a, a diarrhea dump in your ear. <laughs> like at that point, <laughs> you're like, yeah, just just diagnose me and let's get on with it. You know, <laughs> do you ever have any. Uh, awkward moments trying to explain to people what it is you do for a living because I have had that trouble for for years Mm. now Uh, Matt Mm. and I talked about it recently on a podcast that uh, (laughs) we did where even talking about doing YouTube for a living still in this day and age is very confusing for people who don't know what that means to understand oh yeah yeah I mean even just doing uh, self-employed work let alone uh, YouTube it is tough. It usually starts with I work on the internet and usually I just try to stop it there. And it's like, oh, what do you do? It's like, oh, I do I do videos on the internet. And then the longer you go with a gap of silence, you're like, oh, I better explain this. <laughs> yeah, you know? I was just going <laughs> to say, yeah. Where did their heads go immediately when you said that? Yeah. Yeah. So it is kind of a tough thing to explain. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I usually, I, it, it'll just keep going. It's like, okay, how much do you want to know? And then it's like, all right, yeah, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the angry video game nerd. Sometimes I, then I realize they already know when they start asking me. So mm. you kind of start to sense that like, okay, is this one where you just want to jump into it? Or is this one where you want to keep it vague? I don't know. You kind of, you kind of um, answer on a case by case basis. Yeah. Feel it out. Do you feel like people are, are curious about like how angry you are in real life. Like, like they want to mm-hmm. test the waters, be like, oh, is, is this a frustrated, irritated, analytical person? <laughs> or <laughs> do they poke and prod to, to flesh out uh, the difference there? Yeah, I just call them an asshole at that point. <laughs> I think that might be and then what they, they get want. their answer. <laughs> yeah, they might want that actually. <laughs> Validation. I'd want I'd want to be called an asshole by the angry video game nerd. That's that's a, a better story than like, oh, I met him and he was really nice. Yeah, yawn. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, sometimes they even specifically ask ask me that, like, oh, can you call my uh, my my brother couldn't make it or whatever? Like, can you uh, can you call him? You know. They have a you know recording on their phone. Like, can you call him an asshole or something? You know, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be your your cameo prof- profiles. People just paying you to insult them. Yeah, pay to insult. Mm-hmm. Well, people just ask Kevin to do their math homework. Oh gosh, it's far less glamorous. Oh <laughs> yeah, I do get emails where people are like, "I've invented this theory, <laughs> and you." <laughs> We have to talk about it. When are you free? It's like, oh, gosh. Uh, I am not free. 
Put down your can of Hyper Hydro Monster and your Crimson Berry White Claw. It's time to rethink the beverages in your life. We drink a tremendous amount of tea, working on videos, recording the podcast, but we don't drink normie NPC tea. We drink cultured and refined anime tea from the Dragon's Treasure. They've got a gunpowder green tea called Space Cowboy. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know why Kevin likes it. I used to chew gunpowder green tea leaves when I played baseball in the 90s. I love the stuff. Dragon Well Z, Samurai Chai Plu, Black Teas, Herbals. The Dragon's Treasure describes itself as a haven for anime and tea lovers for a reason. They've even got a tea called Uwu. It's got apple bits and cocoa nibs. It's crazy. I bought the 60 tea sampler pack as soon as I could. I wanted to try everything. It's that good. And when you order from the Dragon's Treasure using the code CREATE, you'll get 10% off your order. That's 10% off using the code CREATE at thedragonstreasure.com. The link's in the description. Look, find me another place that sells Russian caravan tea with a name like And Then Everything Changed When the Fire Nation Attacked. You can't. TheDragonsTreasure.com, 10% off when you enter the code CREATE at checkout. The link's in the description below. Get brewing, Space Cowboys. But, um, you know, like like we said at the top, it, this has been years in the making. It's, it's really awesome to connect with you because you and I have never chatted before, but... You know, the fact of the matter is when I first started on YouTube, the Angry Video Game Nerd was such a big deal to me as someone seeing um, a person doing kind of a thing, you know, by themselves at home, talking about Nintendo games that I didn't think anybody else had ever heard of. (laughs) Uh, There was a level of, you know, actual effort and production value behind it. I mean, I don't know how many people are old enough, really. To realize what internet video was like back then, what quote unquote YouTubers or YouTubing was like back then. But it wasn't this like serialized, creating a format, having your own essentially TV show almost that you do yourself. That was a really, really new thing. And now we just take it for granted. But I would love to know what it was like to just decide figure out what were your influences like how did this even come about because when you really think about it and don't take it for granted and looking at it Mm -hmm. from in a 2022 lens it was a really weird and unique thing to do (laughs) man like really strange and unique yeah yeah definitely um i didn't think too hard about it when i did it it was sort of the same as uh any video i would have been making um since before youtube I would be making all kinds of videos and I just carried on with business the same. The only difference was that more people were seeing it. Mm -hmm. And, um, before YouTube, the only conceivable way that I knew to get, you know, videos up on the internet, there was a site called studentfilms.com. You would send them a VHS tape and for a dollar per minute, they would upload it. And, uh, you might get a few comments on it, but nothing much, like barely anyone saw it. Uh, so when YouTube came along, it was like, wait a minute, this is free. Well, (laughs) well, how much, how much can you upload? I mean, is, is, you know, I think there was a limit at the time. I think it was like, what was it like 20 minutes or something like that? But might've been 10. um, I think it was pretty low back then. Yeah, that's right. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Cause sometimes you'd have to split a video into two parts. Yeah. It was so new. And, and I remember, uh, what I didn't, what I took for granted a little bit was that you kind of fool people into thinking that you're this character. Um, and at the time I was just thinking, uh, anybody would 
understand that. Anybody would understand, well, this is acting, this is a character I'm playing. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people at first kind of uh, didn't get it or they thought it was real. So I should have played that up more maybe and just been like, oh, this is real, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a really interesting uh, thing to note though, that you were already doing this stuff. It's a lot like uh, Weird Paul, who we talked to weeks ago. Weird Paul was making home videos in the 80s and splicing together edits and doing Weird Al style song parodies. It was just stuff he was doing. And as uh, all the internet platforms came along, he he didn't look at anything and and think, oh, I want to do something like this. It's like, no, here's a place where I can maybe put the things I'm already doing. I think that's tough for people to understand because anybody now who's like under 25 can pretty much do anything. There's nothing that anybody's doing that doesn't have a platform for it. Whereas what, how many, how many years, 15 years uh, you were making videos before it was even possible to, to upload one to YouTube? Yeah. Every generation is going to have something new. Um, cause the generations before me would be like, well, we'd have to shoot on film and then wait for it to come back from the lab, <laughs> you know, uh, which, which I did in film school, but, uh, you know, video made it easier. And then editing on computers, when that came along, it was like, oh my God, wow. Like, slow transition. I remember, you know, I couldn't afford any of the, the newest computers at the time, but, uh, years and years would go by and I'd use the school's computers and spend any hour that they would have the lab open for, I'd come in and edit my movies on it. And then eventually got my own, like used my whole student loan that year to buy a, a new Mac, um, at the time power Mac G4 and, uh, was editing on Adobe Premiere well, now I'm editing on Premiere again, but uh, at the time it was like the, the you know the old Premiere, um, and and the only thing left, the only missing piece of the puzzle was somewhere to show everything you're doing, and uh, yeah, YouTube came along, and the rest is history. Yeah, I've talked about how um, I went to like local TV stations just trying to figure out a way to put stuff on air after hours. You know you would have to take a certain class and then like work there a certain number of hours to, to even hope to get your short film or, or something to play on this local TV station at three o'clock in the morning when no one was watching <laughs> anyway. So then when you, yeah, YouTube was a thing, it was like, holy cow, I could just make whenever and upload it whenever and other people can watch it whenever for free. That's, that's really amazing. Th an amazing thing. When, Matt, when you mentioned uh, Weird Paul, I also thought of this guy, Spider One, whose videos I love. He is a, a game reviewer who has reviewed every single Turbo Graphics game. Every single oh, one. Cool. Yeah, it's a show called Turbo Views. And he just went through the whole catalog of Turbo Graphics. How many wow. is that? It's not like a shocking <clears throat> amount because that system wasn't like super popular, but it's over 100. It's 100 something. It's not like NES, which was like 600 something games. I think Turbo Graphics was like 116. Yeah, still a big project. It took him years. But the but what why I wanted to mention it is this dude was making like Turbo Graphics reviews with a camcorder like at home in like 1991. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. And then it wasn't until, <laughs> you know, YouTube he started doing it more and more. Uh, kind of professionally and well, not professionally. He has a day job, I believe, but it was a similar thing where like this guy invented, not invented, but you know, he was doing video game reviews 15 years or whatever, just by himself before there was any way to share them with people just for fun. It's amazing to wow. hear stories like that. Yeah, that's awesome. 
what yeah, were you I trying to do when you made the first one? Like it, it, when you sat down and, and you could have made any kind of film and you'd, you'd done so many things before that point. What, what, what made you, what made you do this? Um, probably cause the last thing I did was completely different. Like <laughs> that was kind of like the reason I did everything, I guess. I just kept jumping from project to project and making everything I did completely different from the last thing. So I was like, Hey, how about I review this old video game that nobody cares about anymore? Nobody would ever even remember this game except for my close friends. And that was really all it was, was just show it around to anybody who might remember the games and, uh, you'll get a good laugh and then, you know, move on to the next thing. I had no idea that so many people remembered the same games and that, uh, that it like spoke to a generation and all that. Like that was just really, um, amazing, you know, to find out. Mm -hmm. What was the project directly before it that you were trying to get the opposite of? What was the project? Oh, you know what? It was, uh, it was my senior film. It was, uh, a, uh, urban legend, uh, short film about, uh, legends in the the pine barrens of new jersey oh it was sort of meant to be like the first episode of like a twilight zone type sort of uh you know anthology series um but it was about investigating this place in the pine barrens called the blue hole um it was it's a narrative though it's not like a uh you know uh like like a hunting the the myth kind of show like a documentary It, it was narrative but uh i did that and then um I just never continued it, unfortunately. But the thing is, I moved on to so many other things after that. Um, I, I did a zombie short film like like a year or two after that, and that was uh, The Deader the Better. And that's just uh, <laughs> a cross between Clerks and Night of the Living Dead. Are, those, are these available to watch, or are they kind of lost to time? Uh, I don't think they're lost unless, I'm, unless they went down without me knowing. But I think you could find them, yeah, if you look up Legend of the Blue Hole. That's a little more low key. And then uh, uh, the deader, the better is a little more like silly, like inspired by like Evil Dead and movies like that. Um, It could be made a lot better today. But for what I did, it was pretty cool because I filmed inside of a inside my parents garage at that time. And I used uh, um, even even when I wasn't living there, I would still go back to use their garage because it was the only place I knew. Um, they never heard the last of me for a while, (laughs) but, uh, um, it was all done inside, but it was meant to look like the, an exterior, like, uh, you'd fog it up and with the atmospheric haze, you couldn't really tell that, um, you know, you were inside. So it just looked kind of like an old, like black and white, uh, universal horror film, like that kind of look. But with the clerk's vibe, it was kind of like just two guys chatting it up in a cemetery while killing zombies. (laughs) That was kind of the idea. (laughs) We want to help you make something and mean something. And we say that phrase all the time because when you're making something and you know it means something, even if it's just to you, that's when you feel pretty good about what you're creating. The support for the Create Unknown in recent weeks has been incredible. Animators, artists, musicians, YouTubers, aspiring filmmakers, comedians, it is crazy how talented everybody in this community is. Consider joining the Create Unknown Patreon. Every dollar that comes through goes straight into the podcast and its community. That means more highlights videos. It means a big Minecraft project that's on the way. And eventually we'd like to manufacture custom piss bottles so you never have to leave your battle station. And being a patron unlocks participation in all 
all of our live recordings. You've seen the roster of guests we've had. Having access to their minds is a unique opportunity. You can go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown or click the link that's in the description. Every little bit helps and your support means absolutely everything to us. Patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Links in the description. We appreciate you, Space Cowboys. Well, you know, clearly your creative uh, imagination kind of runs the gamut, but you hit on a thing with Angry Video Game Nerd. So, you know, you make one, it has a certain level of response, you decide to make another. You know, at what point are you like, I'm going to make a lot of these? I think it was, um, well, the first two were on uh, VHS tapes. I mean, it was shot on mini DV, but they were only circulated on VHS. Uh, that was a couple years before YouTube really took, you know, off the ground. And once YouTube started, I uploaded those, but I made a third one, the Karate Kid episode as a, a trilogy. I was like, well, you know, good things always come in three. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and the third one had a little bit more production in it. Um, you know, uh, yelling the word fuck out of my mouth and explosions and stuff like that. I mean, cheesy effects, but they were fun. Um, then, uh, that, that one got a little bit of a response, I guess. And then, then I did Roger Rabbit. That one I think got more of a response. And mm -hmm. then I think Ninja Turtles was next. And that was, uh, like the first one that a lot of people saw first one on screw attack. Um, that was kind of like, by that point it was like, okay, like people are, are digging this, make some more. <laughs> and to this day that the entertainer in me wants to just keep making them to entertain people. So it's hard to stop, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it was so influential, like I said earlier, that it was too influential in some respects because there were people who were just 100% copying what you were doing, <laughs> yeah. like uh, uh, like blatantly. It was it was really a strange thing. And um, again, I don't know how many people were like lived through it at the time because it was a while ago now. I mean, a lot, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast were like three years old when this was going on, but. The fact is, there was this strange moment of time where, yeah, AVGN was extremely popular. It was fresh. It was different. There wasn't anything else like it on the internet until there were kind of a lot of things like it on the internet because a bunch of dudes kind of said, hey, I could do this and, 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 and like literally could do this. What, what, what went through your head when you started seeing those clones pop up? Um, all I remember is the first one I saw... I think the show was called like a uh, terrible game theater or something like that. And when I saw it, I loved it. I was like, this is, it's hilarious to see somebody else doing it. Like, it was like the highest form of flattery I ever got. I was like, oh my God. Cause he mentioned me in it too. It, you know, but it was, that was the first time I saw somebody else do a game review that was in an angry style like that. And, uh, I was like, oh wow, this is, this is awesome uh, that I inspired this person. And then a lot of others came and then there was just so many, you couldn't keep track at a certain point. And then it, it, it kind of, um, it, it lost any surprise value. You know, nowadays there's so many people on YouTube in general. Um, it's, it's not, you know, nothing's really, it's hard for something to stick out now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. To be, to, to have a concept that is 100% original and never done before is, is probably not happening at this <laughs> point. Like there's a reason why there's a line about that in Ecclesiastes, which is a bit of an old one. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So like people say, do stress out about that. Like even when we talk to people on discord, you know, I, a lot of people don't 
start their project, you can tell it's because they're concerned that it's derivative in some way. Well, at a uh, point, you just have to recognize that like, you're not really going to do something that is completely and totally fresh. But the difference between all those clones, and as you were describing it, I was thinking of all the like buying computer games in the 80s where the sticker would would say that it was like Tandy compatible and IBM compatible. <laughs> There's just this, this rash of, of machines that uh, that ran off uh, the IBM stuff. Uh, but but no, you you really the, the angry persona part was was not at all really what it was about. Like when I when I watched those videos, I, I thought about the disappointment between reading an article in Nintendo Power as a kid and being excited for a game and then renting that game for the weekend and the controls are absolute shit. It's impossible. <laughs> like the dumbest, everything you would point out in a video about a game is what would frustrate the hell out of me when I was nine and completely run counter to my expectations. And that, that's not something that you can just like turn a camera on and, and be angry and funny and get there's a level of of analysis there that that matches the viewer's experience on that. And none of those none of those clones really, really captured that. <clears throat> oh, wow. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was fun. I mean, just uh, like, I guess, being one of the first ones to do that. Yeah, because now now I do it. And um, there's there's nothing I can do with it that's completely new. So every every episode's kind of like the same kind of format, but a different game. Like they've the episodes really haven't changed much at all. Like it's kind of just I've been doing the same thing for 15 years, you know. So there's like a certain level of like stick to the format, but also coming up with something new in each one. So I always try to find that balance. It's funny the I don't know how many people realize sort of the fractal pattern that emerged from AVGN because I was it's just when you were just talking about like angry reviews there were there were so many people who were latched onto the angry thing that yeah. hmm. our friend Johnny Millennium who's coming back onto the podcast uh in a few weeks uh the end of March Johnny will be back he 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 like like purposefully created happy console gamer because everybody was just talking about being angry about games and Johnny was like, well, I really want to celebrate and talk about all the games that I love. So I'm going to do yeah, he the, actually enjoys the opposite yeah, yeah. of this sort of, you know, rash of, of angry video game people. So mm -hmm. it's just funny how much spawned off of that. That's obvious, let alone the things that aren't so obvious. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember when I did the, the movie reviews, because, you know, I jump back and forth with movies and games. Uh, the movie reviews usually tend to be more positive. It's like, hey, here's a movie that I really enjoy. And if it's a bad movie, well, it's it's a so bad it's good movie. Um, but I remember when I first started doing them, I think there, there might have been a little expectation of, well, if the nerd is angry when he plays games, why aren't you angry when you're talking about movies? Like, kind of like, why don't you talk about all these shitty movies? It's like, well, kind of like to use this as a, a moment to talk about stuff I love. Because that's what I usually like to do. Let's talk about stuff we love. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, it's different. It's just a it, totally different uh, thing. Yeah, it felt like you loved the bad games, though. I mean, I, I think back again to <laughs> that process of 
of on a Friday night renting a video game, which, by the way, we used mm-hmm. to have to do for, for people who don't understand <laughs> this. You would go to the video store and like pick out one game that you would play all weekend. Even if it was the most terrible game you'd ever played, you still played it until like Sunday night. I mean, you did this 72 hour marathon to get the most out of that game. And there is this odd attachment and love for even the worst video games. And so when even when you were ripping them, you know, I think like, <laughs> I, I know that you still played this game for 50 hours in a weekend <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like sometimes it's a personal experience uh i mean those are kind of limited because there's only so many games you played as a kid so sometimes you have to like you know uh you're, you're playing it for the first time ever or you might remember hearing about it back then maybe you saw a picture in nintendo power but you didn't play it till this day um playing them for the episodes is it's funny because it is like a love-hate relationship because it's so much fun writing the episodes and complaining about the games and then getting to act it out like you're you're it's very therapeutic um but playing it like playing a really bad game is you know a bad game is a bad game it's not fun <laughs> it's like <laughs> like there's nothing fun about especially wait till you see this one that that's coming up i mean man like it it is it is probably the worst nes game i've ever played um, I guess I could let that be like a cliffhanger or like, oh, you know, man. Yeah. cause it'll be, it'll be, you'll, you'll see soon. But, uh, um, but when, when you're playing it, you're, you're like, oh my God, like this is so frustrating, but you're laughing at the same time. You're like, oh, wait till I rip this one apart. I think that was such a unique thing and it, it helped, uh, kind of resonate with, with our generation as well about the NES is there were so many really, really bad games. Like there was that, it was such an explosion in the eighties with the NES that so many games were made because there was so much money to be made and, you know, licensed games that were terrible. Uh, like one game, I remember getting back to the future two and three for, for my birthday one year, my uncle bought me that game. And Ooh. holy crap, if no one has ever when played... you find out your uncle hates <laughs> <laughs> Hey, he went to Toys R Us. He saw Back to the Future 2 yeah. and 3. It looked the box cool. looked amazing. Yeah, the yeah. box yeah. looked cool. Back to the Future 2 is an awesome movie. Uh, 3, that's a different topic. And, so, you know, we can <laughs> probably do that on another podcast. But that game truly sucks. It makes no sense. You have no idea where to go, what to do, what the objective is. It's just garbage. And there you go. Like, happy yeah. birthday. Here's some garbage. <laughs> yeah. And, and, that, and, that, and that's if you can't even make it to the number three part of it. I never did. How do you yeah. even get to the number three part? Jeez. I, ah, oh, man. I mean, I, I did um, a revisited episode on that where I went back and went further in depth. But, uh, uh, you know, that one says it all. But, uh, man, like, that is just, yeah, it, it, just like you said, it makes no sense. <laughs> um, they, they did not watch the movie. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of these games, probably they were in development before, you know, the movie would come out and they wouldn't like, they wouldn't spend the time to like share the, the plot details or anything. I don't know. Cause the, the way these games were made was just so hasty and, uh, Man, I mean, I'm glad they did, though, because otherwise we wouldn't have so much material for these episodes. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't think like like somebody born, you know, let's say AVGN never ex- never existed, YouTube never existed, but the gaming industry did. I don't I don't I just don't see the same show being generated from like the PS4. I, I just I, I don't know. I just don't. I think yeah. the games are just better. 
there's not this slew of horrendous games that everybody played and remembers how much they sucked. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's like NES, for whatever reason, I feel like NES usually makes the best episodes. Um, like whenever I'm in doubt, I'm like, okay, just go to the NES library. Get, get one of those again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, even, you know, the show, it was Angry Nintendo Nerd. Uh, funny thing, there's a segment in the new episode. It's going to start off as angry Nintendo nerd. We're going to go back, like really go back to the past. Um, <laughs> like this, like as if this were a lost episode, uh, even using the exact same microphone that I used for the voiceover, exact same microphone for the on-screen parts, which, which was a Sennheiser shotgun mic that would peak all the time. It used to piss me off, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, just going back to like, like, wouldn't it be cool just to like, just feel like we're in 2006 again, you know? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Well, it's been that long. You know, it's been been since 2006. Uh, we're in 2022 these days. And that that's a topic that I really wanted to, and a conversation I really wanted to have with you is that we're at this strange point now where there are creators like you who have done this from the beginning. It's been a long time. So you've had a long career as a YouTuber which having a long career as a YouTuber is now like, you you know, the first generation of people who are running into that. So how do you think that that has played out? And do you think that, you know, having a long career on YouTube or as an online creator has different challenges than perhaps having a long career in other entertainment industries? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just, uh, I, I keep making the episodes like the same way, like the, the method doesn't change. But a lot of times I make jokes about that where I'm like, oh, well, it was 15 years ago when I first talked about this game, but it's, but it was 15 years before that when it was actually released. So it's actually, the, the episode is now just as old as the game was when I first <laughs> reviewed it. So there's all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I like it cause it's retro and like, I, I like that I've become retro too. So whenever people talk about that, like, you know, oh, I remember it's 2006 when I first was watching the angry Nintendo nerd. It's like, yeah, yeah, like, like retro, you know, I, I like it because mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of the, the, the people who I'm a fan of are, you know, retro and, uh, you know, retro to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just wondering, you know, in general, how you deal with people who like, like, for instance, for me, mm -hmm. you know, there, there was a show that uh, called Mind Blow that I used to do on Vsauce 2 that a lot mm -hmm. of people knew and they, they subscribed to my channel for. 
I haven't done that show in, in many years, but to this day, I still get comments, you know, bring back five years, bring back mind blow. When's the next mind blow? Why did you stop doing this? Oh, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and there's <clears throat> a free video. Uh, Matt and I did an hour and a half podcast where I just tried to explain why I stopped doing that show. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, you know, you've had different formats over the years. Um, you have grown into a, an adult, a family man, you know, life changes, people change. Uh, how do you deal with fans who maybe don't understand that life changes, people change, formats change, platforms change, and, and the like? don't life. understand life? Is that the oh, short way to put it? <laughs> fans who don't understand life? Don't understand life, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know who that is exactly. Like, if, are these people who are young uh, that just haven't been through that yet? Or, you know, I, I really don't know. Um, but all, all I know is that I, I haven't changed my method. I continue to write the episodes and do it the same way as before. Um, so it, the ABGN to me is kind of like a life constant where it, I feel kind of anchored in the nerd where it's the same, like the nerd doesn't really change. And there are some shows that, that I stopped like board James. I, I loved board James. It was actually one of my favorite shows that I did, but it had like a self-contained story that wrapped up. So I kind of did like the, um, the Seinfeld thing where he stopped because he felt like, oh, this is perfect where it is. I'm not going to like run this into the ground. So I'm like, okay. So with a lot of the shows that I stopped, they all stopped for a reason. Like I felt this was, this is good where it's at. Let me just leave it. I'll leave board James alone. That, that's not like definitive. It's not like I, I can never bring it back. But um, for the time being, I like, I like that people ask me like, oh, I'd love to see that more. Cause that, that clearly means they, they loved it. Um, but uh, the nerd is the one that I've decided to keep going for now, and everything will come to a stop eventually. But uh, you know, the nerd's been the longest running thing that I do. It's the bread and butter of the channel. It's how I support my kids. It's uh, you know, it's it, it's it's my day job. But that but that doesn't mean it's not fun. Like it's it's a it's the most fun day job you could possibly have. Uh, if I wasn't doing the nerd, I'd be doing some other job, probably something not as exciting. So. Uh, who would want to stop doing it? <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. I think you already answered my follow-up question, which was, you know, what does what does James Rolfe day look like in five years from now? Like, it sounds like you'd love to continue to do the nerd. I know, I know, you said that you're working on a book. Um, mm. Is that something that you'd like to eventually do? Is do more oh. writing? <clears throat> I might. You know what? I have thought of that. Uh, I, I I might write. Like, I could write fiction. I could write nonfiction. Um, that book is, is done. Well, I th I'm sure it's done now, but I, I keep adding chapters to the end of it as life goes on. But, uh, the book should be soon. There's also a lot of secret projects that I've been working on. Um, so like in between nerd episodes, there's like some, uh, like th there, there's a location tour video that I want to do this year. Um, I have like a, all these things lined up. Uh, so those are all kind of like the, the, the mystery projects that, uh, you'll see eventually. Um, also I'm recording an album with my band Rex Viper. Um, that's kind of just like a fun, you know, side project that, you know, whenever everybody has time and syncs up with our schedules and everything, it's like, you know, all these people in the band, like everybody, uh, has to get together, you know, we'll play some more shows. Um, but right now kind of just recording the music is like something pretty, uh, pretty low key as far as like, video production goes um because i'm just a rhythm guitarist so it's like i don't it's not like a huge uh commitment you know what i mean 
Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you know, I'll lay down my tracks and then I'll go back to working on, uh, another video, movie review or the nerd or whatever. Um, yeah, I just love doing that stuff. Uh, kind of, you know, what it kind of reminds me of is, uh, Rob Zombie, you know, mm -hmm. he made, uh, he made music first and then, um, and then he, he started making films and I think he was probably even around my age, uh, when, when I started doing music, he's probably around my, my age at that time, like late thirties, um, when he did, uh, well, when house of a thousand corpses came out, that was his first feature. So since then he's been doing films as well as music. So I kind of did it the other way around. I did the films first. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you like to make another uh, full length, full length film? And we had uh, Andrew Bowser on uh, <clears throat> earlier, uh, who yeah. is in the midst of mm -hmm. making his Onyx the Fortuitous, and uh, I know that he's looking for some investors for that. So if anybody is listening that wants to become an yeah. equity holder in Onyx the Fortuitous, uh, the the option now is your chance. Yes, to become an executive producer or something, but. Uh, uh, what, what about you, James? Is that something that you would like to do again in the future or, or did you kind of scratch that itch? Oh, um, well, the, the next film would be in the horror genre, um, rather than, you know, angry video game nerd movie, which was like comedy action adventure sci-fi. It was like this big fun sampler platter of all different genres. Uh, the next film was more like one style, just one sort of like suspense kind of thing. And, um, I wrote that as a feature, I've revised it several times since. And the last revision I just did recently, I, I made it into a short film because to be honest, I think it might be better as a short film than a feature, like as a 30 minute type, you know, piece, like a twilight zone episode or something like that. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's more like the story's more condensed, um, Whereas like a feature, I felt kind of like, well, maybe I was stretching it a little here and there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I think this horror film works better as a short than it did as a feature. And it's going to be a lot more feasible to do. Um, there were many locations in the, the longer draft that were that could be omitted, where now there's not as many, uh, not as much traveling, not as much locations, um, a bit fewer characters. I think it's going to be a lot more feasible to do. Cause like the, the one thing you don't want to do with the movie is like you start it, like say it's a big feature. And then next thing you're working on this for years and years and years. And there comes a time when you're like, well, I'd like to get started on the next movie. Like I have some other ideas that are coming into my head and I'd like to get started on something else, but you're just kind of stuck doing this one feature until it's done. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't want to get there. You, you want to like pick something that's going to be, like the perfect thing that you're going to want to be doing, you know, you don't want to just wait until you have that end result. Like you're, you're making it to make it like making it to actually enjoy making it while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's what I, you know, uh, you know, that, that's what I just want to emphasize there. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, you're, you are a busy guy. You wear a lot of hats, uh, <laughs> no, a lot shortage of, of, <laughs> no shortage of hats on this man. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Plenty of projects. Um, um, so, but before we let you go, is there anything like, uh, you want to let everybody know that we have to look forward to aside from the worst NES game that, that you've ever played coming up soon? Uh, any particular projects that you want people to watch out for? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I mentioned a book, a music album, a film, 
Uh, I think I already kind of mentioned it all. That's it. (laughs) That's it. There's nothing else. There's no sort of like synchronized swimming meet that you're going to do or... uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. Dance ensemble. Well, now you got me thinking. (laughs) Well, I'll be, uh, you know, hopefully attending some more conventions in the near future. Um, I'm doing some weekly movie reviews right now. Um, Actually, I mean, they're not even all movie reviews. They're just all like topics, just whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty much just making whatever I want, whatever I feel like, whatever's fun and whatever, you know, I feel passionate about. So that's what I'm doing. So just keep watching the channel. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, James, thanks so much for your time. It was a long time coming and, uh, uh, we, you know, Matt and I really appreciate you squeezing us into your busy schedule. Um, get back to work. (laughs) Okay. You have a lot of things to create. (laughs) Well, thanks guys. I appreciate it. It was a really good talk. All right. Uh, we'll be back uh, uh, next Tuesday, TCU's day. Uh, until then, we'll see you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We make this show with the support of our patrons. 100% goes directly to keeping episodes going every week, and we've been shocked by all the new support this year. The world's ending and I'm late for work. Gib Tom, Sid Pope, Demetrius, Atrocious Guff. You guys really do make this show happen. Thank you to the Tots and Dumpster crew, old and new, who save tiny little lives every month. And thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Jen Mefasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Risebread, Sean Malone, Triple Question Mark, Ryan, Kamikaze, Maria, Marco Sheep, Tom Videogre, Jelksies, and Dan the Latch. And a tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang commanders. Linus and Trevstad, Boromir, Botdogs, Chinchilla, Isaac, Conrad, James, Andrew, Jeff Davis, Patrick Pister, Baseweight, Monahim, Dojangles, and Zero. You really are the elite. Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer-editor Ben Webster, Discord Savior Ladderman, and producer emeritus Dan Yoshua. And thanks to Baseweight for the use of Created in the Unknown for the opening theme, and to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71.